0: And we're live. Welcome to the Investor's Centre. The Investor's Side is your investor's guide to health, wealth and happiness. Hosted every Sunday by yours truly, Dan Scarbini. The upcoming podcast is not strictly financial advice. I would always advise each and every one of you to do your own research before putting your capital at risk. Hi guys, welcome back to the investor side. And in today's podcast, we have a special guest, founder of Vivid Capital, Gio Paris. How you doing, mate? I'm good, bro. How are you? Yeah, good thanks, man. Excited, excited. Excited. I uh, just want to begin this, mate, like with your introduction. I'll have just a bit about yourself, what got you, who you are, Gio's journey.
1: Yeah, so obviously I'm Gio Paris, I'm uh, currencies, commodities, and cryptocurrency trader. I'll trade anything as, as long as it's got a chart um founder of vivid capital so we teach people you know how to trade we kind of help them get funded become professional traders and things like that um and yeah that's pretty much pretty much me in a in a nutshell in terms of like my journey and you know how I started I've spoken about it on a couple of other podcasts but just in a nutshell I left school at 16 so I know I didn't want to go to university or anything like that I didn't want to do A-levels I actually did sixth form for like three months I think three or four Mm -hmm. months and I didn't like it. So I got an apprenticeship in an estate agents, uh, done estate agency for a bit. Then 2015, I started learning how to trade. 2016, I started trading. I uh, just put like 2K in a trading account in January, 2016. Um, started learning kind of, you know, that whole kind of like trading journey that most people you know, go through. Started getting signals and things like that. And then you actually think, okay, no, I actually need to learn how to do this myself. So started learning. 2017, like early 2017, discovered crypto, got into crypto. Um, but it took me a while to actually like start investing in it and like actually, you know, come, come accustomed to it because there wasn't the infrastructure that we've got now, you know? So yeah. like when I first started buying Bitcoin, I used to use a website called Bittylicious. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like Binance wasn't around or anything like that. So yeah, 2017, like I was learning about crypto. Obviously, we had that crazy bull run where I learned a lot and that kind of like matured me as a trader um, and I kind of saw like the earning potential and things like that. Uh, then 2018, more Forex-based. Obviously, we had the crypto bear market, so I was still like keeping in touch with crypto, but-
0: Accumulating,
1: yeah. Yeah, still accumulating yeah. through the bear market and things like that, but sure. kind of took everything I'd learned back to kind of like traditional markets. Uh, then 2019, I started getting more vocal on like social media. I only had like, I don't know, like 300, 400 followers back then. It was just people that I knew. But I was like posting charts and stuff like that and people were reaching yeah. out saying they wanted to, to learn and, you know, what is trading and things like that. So then I, what I did in 2019, I opened up like a free Telegram channel, where I just mm-hmm. used to like post my trades and I like post trade ideas, post like educational content about like the monetary system, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit later. Sure. Um, sure. And then, yeah, then that kind of like birthed Vivid Capital, really. So then I thought, you know what, people are enjoying it, but no one's like learning how to trade because I'm just like telling them what to do kind of thing. And yeah. people want, wanted to learn. So I was like, cool, let me create a video based course, created the course. So that was like early 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Vivid Capital, what, two years on? Um, it's Probably like a two-year birthday pretty soon, actually. It was like end of January, so. Wow, yeah. Um, I remember when you launched it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, time flies. Um, so, yeah, and then now it's more of like a coaching-based thing because what I found was, you know, the people I was working closer with were naturally getting better results, but I've only got so much time. Um, mm. So it's more kind of like exclusive now, you know, taking less people on, but people that some of
0: them have quit their, quit their jobs haven't they to go
1: full quite a few, time. yeah yeah, quite, quite we'll a soon. few quit their jobs to go full time so obviously like the thing i'm focused on is helping people to get funded right yeah so i'll teach you how to trade and kind of like guide you through that process hold your hand so that you can become a funded trader so yeah those are people quit their jobs um and yeah got funded and things like that so like i say now i'm just trying to work closer with people to help yeah. them get the results whereas before it was just Kind of like video based like you would just watched the videos and it was kind of like a do it yourself. Yeah. And now it's more cool. of a kind of like do it with you kind of coaching program. Yeah, for yeah sure.
0: Pretty much it. Yeah. Pretty cool journey, man, to be honest. Pretty yeah. cool journey. Did you have any mentors on your way to success?
1: Uh But what I always say like my main mentors were were books. Mm. See, so, you know, I read a lot. So mm. books were like the kind of main thing that taught me and you know where I learned things. But in terms of like people around me. Not really. Obviously, like you know, I grew up in Catford, pretty normal childhood. Yeah. Kind of moved around Lucian, Um and yeah, I didn't have anyone around me that was kind of where I wanted to be. So I didn't have yeah. a direct mentor, but you know, books, you know, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, like Tony Robbins, like any Tony Robbins content. Like I told you as well, just like yeah, immerse yeah, yourself yeah. in it, um, and then yeah, learn a high value skill and you know, just just kind of go for it. But, yeah. yeah mentors um, obviously like for extent you were your own mentor weren't you then? Uh, kind of. I've,
0: you I've pushed that, yourself okay. to learn and reached out to platforms which gave you the information.
1: I guess I guess you could say that but obviously I was learning the information from from other people and kind of taking yeah. it in. Uh, the thing with like a trading journey I think like it's quite personal to you like the way that you approach markets. Obviously you can have a system based approach yeah. um, where like you're just strictly following rules. But, or you can have like a system-based approach, kind of like hybrid, where it's a system, but it's also a discretionary element, um, where you kind of like develop your own personality and your own kind of style, your own kind of way of doing things. Yeah. So a lot that. of people that I've taught, they do that. Some people just copy exactly what I do, but some people kind of like develop their own style and their own kind of like personality in the markets. The base mm-hmm. system is still what I've taught them, but they just kind yeah. of develop their own, like I say, their own personality, their their own communication, yeah. you know
0: with time yeah for sure for um, sure
1: but yeah but, mentors like i say m- many just books that was, many books yeah books and yeah. youtube and
0: yeah all that stuff
1: yeah youtube university yeah like, man youtube yeah. university is the one yeah, yeah what's sure. that saying it's like um formal education will make you a living but self-education will make you a fortune something like that 100% that so much man. 100%
0: there's, there's a reason why there's one percent is and 99% is and I think that's just due to how you go out your way and educate yourself Literally, man,
1: literally. Sure, yeah. For sure, it's actually a real thing
0: to be. I think more people are becoming aware of it, though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely, especially the last couple of years of what happened in the pandemic. People had more yeah. time to use their own initiative. Yeah. Like myself, to be honest, I was, I was pretty closed off, just doing my thing, working, mm-hmm. living paycheck to paycheck, spending a fortune on going out. And um, yeah, just now my my downtime, I told you recently, I like, was just watching Real Vision, watching educational videos and creating yeah, yeah. content to help others
1: so yeah um yeah that's it I feel like the pandemic like lockdown was like where a lot of people grew you know what I mean a lot of people used that time to build high value skills some people just you know gaming and I don't know wasting time watching yeah yeah whatever. and that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that if that's what fulfills you but if you sure. want to achieve great things like you've got to have a period where like what we call the cave some people call it monk yeah. mode whatever it is where you just like we'll go
0: into the cave later (laughs) yeah the cave needs to go worldwide
1: yeah literally but um yeah well you're just like fully immersed in your goals you know we are just like fully focused on it some people can do like the whole balanced thing Mm. um but i don't know i've never been good at that i've had like stints in the cave and then stints i'm not yeah
0: i'm not i'm not very well balanced so i'm either all in on something or all out of something
1: so yeah yeah.
0: since i've gone to this it's been all in even in my downtime but um good what kind of advice would you give someone starting out today obviously i know it's turbulent times in markets which we'll talk about later but what would you say to someone starting out now in, in this current situation where they are now if you had to start all over again
1: uh if i had to start all over again and like i said i said this on you know podcasts and youtube videos and even in in my program mm. if i had to start today my main focus would be learning a uh, high value skill right yeah Um, So for me, obviously, because I'm a trader, naturally, I'll gravitate towards trading. So I would learn how to trade. And my main focus would be becoming the best trader I can be so that I can get funded. And I kind of touched on this on the first YouTube video that I made this year as well is if you can leverage that knowledge, right? So if you've got this high value skill that is trading, then you can use that knowledge to go out and, you know, trade other people's money. You leverage that knowledge so that you can basically raise capital and then use other people's money to make yourself more money. So a great example of this is FTMO, right? Yeah. FTMO you learn how to trade, you pass the challenge, you pass verification, you become a fully funded trader. The way it works is you're basically a self-employed contractor for FTMO. Yep. They'll give you an account size depending on, you know, what uh what account size you chose when you signed up, so anywhere from 10k to 200k, and you keep 80% of the profit that you make, right? Yeah, wow. So say yeah. most people go for a 100k account, that's the most popular. And mm-hmm. say you had a 6% month, right? So you made 6 grand on that hundred K account, you keep eighty percent, which is four thousand eight hundred. Now, yeah. for most people, that's enough to obviously like disclaimer: trading is not linear, so you're not going to make six percent every single month. Every single month, the yeah, it will be eight percent one month. Next month, maybe four percent. You might have a break-even month. Then you might make ten percent. You know, it's up and down. But say on average over the year, on average six percent. Yeah, so you made six percent in a month. Yeah, that's four thousand eight hundred dollars, which you know is more than most people are earning from their nine to five so For sure. that, that's what i would be focused on i would mainly focus on you know becoming the best trader i can be and mm-hmm. once i've become the best trader i can be i would go out leverage that knowledge so that i can you know get more capital through ftmo there's other platforms there's my forex funds now um five percenters there's loads of platforms out there that you can anyone and can do out. that then.
0: anyone who's trading can become once they've gained the knowledge spent three to six months on trading in this example that anyone can become funded
1: absolutely yeah but most people they're not willing to put in the work you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know they might do it for a month and like immerse themselves in the process yeah then like any journey there's going to be ups and downs you know there's going to be periods where you feel like a genius and then there's periods where like the market beats you up you know so Mm -hmm. it's that ability to push through that hardship that will ultimately get you there and the first three to six months are probably the hardest you know once you get through that initial kind of three to six month period it becomes a lot easier after that yeah. Um, when things start to click and you start to actually understand, you know, okay, what is trading? How does it work? What is the approach I want to have? That kind of thing. But yeah. most people just give up in that initial, I don't know, three month period. And that's why the stats are so high for traders who fail. But if you just yeah. keep pushing, keep pushing, you'll get there, you know. And what's well, about well, the outcome really about the process? Really, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that later. Like, obviously, you know, I'm like super process driven. Um, but yeah, just focusing on the process and not the outcome. But look, there's some people who, have started the course and like passed the ftmo challenge in like two three months right mm-hmm. and there's some people that it takes them maybe nine months you know everyone's yeah. different but of course. it's just a bet on yourself you know if you really believe in yourself and your ability and you immerse yourself in it then yeah any, anyone can do it all you need to do is be disciplined and if you're not disciplined you need to learn to be disciplined which again is something I talk about in the coaching program yeah like routines and tips yeah and I've heard things. you talk about it loads yeah yeah, yeah. disciplines yeah, yeah. that one man Absolutely. Sure. But that goes for anything, like any anything you know. school, whether it's like e-com, I don't know, yeah. Facebook ads, whatever it is, Yeah, you need to be disciplined. You know what I mean? It's not, if it was easy, everyone would do it.
0: So, even, even even saving money, something so simple, it's, it all begins with discipline. Yeah, Once you yeah, have that mind yeah. shift, then you can work on the rest.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, sure. that's, that's where it all starts. Like whatever you want to pursue, like motivation can only take you so far. Like you absolutely. get motivated. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. it gets to a certain point where that motivation obviously diminishes over time. So you need your discipline time. To, to show up on the days where you don't want to show up, you know, because yeah. even me, I'm sure you, everyone has days where like they might be really motivated and they want to achieve big things. But everyone wakes up on the day and they don't want to, I don't know, do their morning routine or they don't yeah. want to back test or they don't want to do, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Right. But mm-hmm. discipline is just, you know, just sounds cliche, but it's just pushing through those moments in order to, you know, do what you know you should be doing.
0: Yeah 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 definitely it all starts with you for sure i completely agree i mean speaking of discipline and you touched on it briefly what what is your morning routine i don't know if you've ever been asked that before but
1: what is your morning yeah routine? Well, i was going to talk about it in the in the program like i say um and i've kind of modified it it's still like very similar um very similar to what it was like the core morning routine um, mm-hmm. but the first thing i do like when i wake up is just like a really simple task so there's like a study that says like if the first thing you do when you w- wake up is make your bed like you'll have a more productive day because you just get your mind used to like completing tasks so yeah. the first thing that I want to get done um, and in fact let me even before I get there I don't sleep with my phone in my room so Honestly, I don't have my phone yeah. in the room that I want to go to first yeah yeah in my office right so that because even I'm guilty of it you know sometimes I wake up you go on your phone you go on Instagram next thing you know it's been an hour or you want an hour, right? So I've got like a separate alarm clock in my room that is just an alarm clock. It doesn't do anything else. And I keep my phone in my office so Mm. that like when I wake up, there's nothing to, there's no social media to corrupt my brain or anything like that. So I don't want to look at my phone for like the first half an hour to an hour of me being awake. So anyway, that's the first thing. When I wake up, first thing that I do is drink 800 milliliters of water. So you get dehydrated, but also it's like a super easy task, right? Yeah, like you wake sure. up, you drink some water, it's like pretty fucking easy. So you're then done. your brain just gets used to, yeah. like, oh, okay, I've done that now. I may as well just do everything else on my list. So you've done so, two tasks.
0: Yeah, you made your bed, you've done your water.
1: Yeah, do you know what, what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. So then I meditate, um, 10, 15 minutes, sometimes longer. Normally on Friday, I'll do a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll stretch or some form of movement. Recently, it's been like a bunch of stretching. So again, 15 minutes, half an hour, depending on the day. Um, then I'll kind of like catch up and journal, so like write, you know, my to-do list and, you know, journal anything, that kind of thing, just me with a, a pen and paper, just kind yeah. of like writing things down. Um, then like I have my vitamins and stuff like that after, um, then I'm just like catching up. Like in between this, I'm kind of like checking charts as well, cool, and, you're doing anything, Yeah, but that's the kind of core of what I've been doing like so far.
0: Yeah, so yeah is it making a difference at so all
1: from when before you were doing it? uh well from before when I didn't have a morning routine absolutely yeah, yeah. my morning routine used to be a bit more intense oh, wow. um, but now yeah it's just focusing on oh, like, those things like meditating stretching and hmm. um, planning the day correctly yeah I kind of think and then <clears throat> just charts like catching up with what happened while I was sleeping mm. and if there's any intro opportunities and what I find for my trades is a lot of the trades I take tend to be in that kind of like morning period like between yeah. you know, like 7am and 9am kind of period cool uh I don't know what it is, like the science behind it, but it just yeah. generally, for the way that I trade, that's when a lot of the entries seem to present themselves. Oh, cool. um, yeah. It's right before like kind of London volume kicks in, so. Yeah,
0: well, wow. anyway. yeah, yeah, and the time zones and that. But yeah, um, yeah, no, no, yeah. Oh, well, I know what you mean with, obviously when I wake up in the morning, I've been doing cold showers recently. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the first thing on my mind is, I don't want to do the cold shower. I don't want to do
1: it. But I just have to pull myself out and do it. Yeah. To
0: it, uh, yeah, it's buying the bullet, but it's beneficial for sure.
1: Um, Definitely. Well, once you do it as well, you feel so much better. Like yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean.
0: It's... It makes you think to yourself once you've done it and you feel like that. Why was my mind like that before? Because you know it's good for you, but you just don't want to go through that minute yeah. of just pain.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's good to like train yourself, like get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the like those
1: subtle things, like you know, cold showers or I don't know, completing your morning routine, like whatever it is that makes you uncomfortable when you yeah. do go into like other uncomfortable situations, like, I don't know, learning how to trade or learning e-com or mm-hmm. you know, Facebook ads, whatever it is you'll be more comfortable in those situations because comfortable, yeah. comfortable, you have got comfortable.
0: You're used to overcoming the obstacles in your mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So It, it strengthens character for sure. But um, yeah,
0: now more on the market side of things. What are your <laughs> macro views on the markets for 2022?
1: What a big question. <laughs> big, big, big
0: question. Diving in, diving in.
1: Um, macro views for 2022. Uh, at the moment, like the talk is inflation and, you know, the Fed being hawkish and... Uh, getting like super aggressive, how they're yeah. potentially going to raise rates at, you know, every, um, every hearing this year. Yeah. So what I'm trying to figure out is what is priced into the dollar, right? Because everyone knows that rate hacks are coming. We know there's going to be a rate hike in March. Of course. We know that there's potentially going to be more rate hikes to come this year. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out what the dollar is going to do. And generally in macro, if you figure out what the dollar is going to do, you can kind of piece together what everything else is going to do. Yeah. Um, And a pretty interesting stat that I've been showing recently is 80% of the time for the last 50 years, Euro USD has made its yearly high or low in January.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So last year, I think it held true. 2020, it didn't hold true. But 2019, like if you go back through Euro USD, over the last 50 years, 80% of the time has made its yearly high or low in, um, in January. Now, the DXY, the dollar index is obviously mainly comprised of Euro USD, Right. So if you can work out what's that going to do, um, you know, this year, then that will kind of give you a good idea of what's going to come. Yeah. Um, I've got a target for the DXY that I've been talking about over the last few months. That's 99. So I think we could get a run into 99 and then maybe some kind of pullback from there. We're around Uh, 97 at the moment, aren't we? What's that? We're around 97 at the moment, roughly. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. So that's kind of my thoughts on the dollar. It is like a super crowded trade at the minute. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Everyone's in dollar longs, everyone's playing yeah. dollar strength.
0: Um,
1: and this time last year, everyone was playing dollar weakness and euro strength. And what unfolded in 2021 was euro weakness and dollar strength. So yeah, normally most people get it wrong, right? So yeah. the yeah, And yeah. can often pay pretty well. Cool. Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out at the minute. Like I say, I think the, the dollar will probably reverse sooner than people think. I think like it's just going to continue to become a more crowded trade as we move up. But then yeah, I do think that you know, we will get some euro strength and dollar weakness probably sooner than people think. And Yeah, euro's
0: been weak for a while now.
1: Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's been getting absolutely battered for 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 a while. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I do think that the the dollar will pull back eventually, I don't know, next few months maybe. And then I think that could be like the green light for risk assets. And that's where like Bitcoin and things like could could come into it. Yeah, Um, Just once the market has, you know, fully priced in, all of this kind of like rate hikes and things like that. And then what I think will happen is the Fed won't raise rates as much as people think they will. I agree. it needs to reprice and they'll have a more dovish tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think inflation is going to drop quicker than people think as well. So if you look at month-on-month CPI, November CPI was 0.8%. December CPI was 0.5%. So yep. There's already nearly a 50% drop on month-on-month CPI. Yep. So um, obviously 10th of February, we've got January CPI coming up. So we'll see what how that looks. But I think... If it continues and, you know, they stop injecting liquidity into markets, yeah, and if, you know, they do continue this more hawkish tone, we could be heading towards deflation and deflation is the Fed's worst nightmare. Like that's yeah. what they literally go to sleep and have nightmares about because yeah. in a debt-based economy, if you've got deflation, the whole system implodes. So you need yeah. inflation, right? <laughs> you yeah. need inflation to yeah. be able to make it easier for people to service the debt. Whereas if that debt is growing through deflation, it becomes harder to service. So then the whole system kind of implodes. So that's how I kind of see it playing out. You know, growth slows, um, inflation slows. We start seeing signs of deflation. The Fed panics, takes a more dovish tone, starts pumping liquidity back into markets.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, that's the only way out. It's
0: it's the only way they've done it historically. Yeah,
1: yeah. absolutely. Like the market dynamics have definitely changed, you know, because of COVID, like, 25% Twenty-five percent of U.S. dollars were created in 2020. You know, I know yeah. how mad is that? So the market yeah. dynamics have changed, and like it's very extreme on both ends. Yeah, so I feel like they're going to have to continue taking extreme measures. Even even in
0: 2018, I think they, they raised the rates. Stock market went down, then they bailed the stock market out and went back on their their decision.
1: Yeah, that was it. Like late 2018, I think like December 2018, it was what 25 percent drop or 20 percent drop in the S and P something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like. The markets rely on the Fed injecting liquidity. And sure. as soon as they turn that printer off, markets are going to drop. And then you've got like all the problems with pension funds and etc. Yeah, so it's crazy, yeah. I think the Fed will take the path of least resistance, and that will be to keep rates low, keep pumping liquidity into markets. And that's kind of how I see it playing out this year. It's probably yeah. a bit more upside in the dollar to come, maybe yeah. a bit more downside in equities and risk, but then. When there's the signs of deflation, I think the Fed will act pretty quickly. I think so. Yeah. Um, take a more that's dovish and start pumping liquidity back, start buying assets again, and yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think we'll have like as blow off a rally as we had in 2020. Yeah, so that was pretty extreme. Um, yeah, it was for sure. But I do think we'll we'll see risk assets starting to trend up. You know.
0: Yeah, do you think we'll see that throughout a decade? I know that's quite a large forecast, but do you think obviously the way the system is, it would be boom bust, boom bust, printing money into the into the system. Probably. Yeah,
1: yeah. probably. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to, you know, see this decade, like over the next 10 years or so, uh, eight years, that, you know, we see continuous injection of liquidity and risk assets doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: How, how sustainable is this, in your opinion?
1: For the, finan- uh, the current financial
0: system we're on, it's been going on, what, 51 years now. Yeah. The average is around 35 to 40 years. So since 71, we've been on the same fiat experiment.
1: Yeah, so I would encourage everyone to go and study the history of money, which I think is what you're kind of referring to there. Um, there's a great series on YouTube by Mike Maloney called yeah. The Hidden Secrets of Money. Um, he is a bit extreme in the way that he views how things will be. He thinks like we're going to go back to exchanging physical gold and silver. Yeah, and yeah. Like that. So ignore <laughs> that part. But in terms of like the history lessons, it's like a really well-made series. So I'd encourage everyone to go and check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not sustainable, and it will blow up eventually. Whether that's you know, like we have a a DM type currency as the reserve, so like a a basket of currencies, so a currency made up that say fifty percent the US dollar, twenty um, percent the yen, twenty percent euro, ten percent GBP, something like that, like a kind of like basket, maybe yeah. assets in there as well, um, rather than just the US dollar being the world reserve currency. Yeah. I don't know how it will play out. I don't know when it will happen. Like some yeah, people agree. talk in absolutes that the system's going to blow up tomorrow, but <laughs> there's a really, really good quote. That I like that is more money is anticipated from market crashes than the market crashes themselves. Yeah. So people have been talking about like the S&P crashing since 2012, right? So you obviously had the big crash 2008, 2012, 2013, it started making all-time highs and there were like some warning signs Even 2016, there were some warning signs, um, you know, that things could could come down a bit. But you've missed, like, one of the most insane rallies over the last five, six years because you've been anticipating this crash. Even if we crash now, you're probably just going to get a crash to where you first started anticipating the crash. Yeah, you've completely missed
0: out. Even if you held throughout the whole thing, there's a massive crash. You're still probably still down for not getting involved.
1: Yeah, so that's why I let charts make a lot of my decisions for me because mm-hmm. fundamentals is hard to quantify it, you know? So say, for example, you've got a piece of fundamental data that is bearish for an asset. So let's use the S&P as an example, right? There's one yeah. piece of economic data that you think is really bearish and it's going to crash equities, right? So you kind of latch on to this piece of fundamental data yeah. and you're thinking, okay, I'm expecting a crash, but you cannot quantify what impact that will have on the S&P. All you can do is try and guess about the impact that it could have. So in your head, you might build it up to be this big thing, but actually the market doesn't care and the S&P continues to make new all-time highs. And that uh, bearish piece of fundamental um, news that you're kind of latching onto, it's already been priced in and the market just doesn't care about it, but you care about it. So like, for example, in currencies, there might be like bad jobs data for the pound, for example, and you think, okay, the pound has to come down because there's bad jobs data the Pound just continues making new highs. Yeah. The market doesn't care about that information. So it's really hard to quantify the fundamentals, which is sure. why I let the charts lead, right? Yeah. If there's bad data and the chart break, I don't know, breaks market structure and shows me signs that we're going to go into a downtrend, then I'll change my bias. But I'm not yeah. going to latch on to some One fundamental piece of data on. that the market might yeah. not care about. You know, if the market continues to make new highs, markets yeah. are efficient. Not so much crypto markets. Crypto markets are obviously more efficient now than they were. And that's why it's been so much easier to make money in cryptos because they're less efficient. Mm. But traditional markets, yeah, they're pretty efficient. So when news comes out, by the time you're reading an article, that information has already been pressed in. Yeah, That's why I'm a fan of the charts. And to go back to, I don't know, like a huge crash, like wait for signs on the charts, you know, before you start exiting your positions. Wait for like breaks of market structure or... I don't know breaks of certain period moving averages, whatever it is, whatever your signals are for you know warning signs, wait for those. Sure. Before you before you leave. Before sure. You well, no one can to. ever
0: no one can ever anticipate the crash to
1: to exact anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like no no oh, one's going to catch the exact top and the exact bottom. It's- as I always say, as long as you position
0: yourself in a diversified portfolio, I think you've said it to me before. So you're liquid enough, you have enough cash to weather the storm, mm-hmm. and you're also invested, so you're not missing the boat
1: yeah well i I think this is where you know you need to identify whether you're a trader or an investor if you're an investor you shouldn't worry about crashes too much because you've got a much longer time horizon i'm purely talking about traders right Who want to get in and out but like i don't know if you're if you're a long-term investor in bitcoin like if you've got a legacy portfolio that you don't want to touch you shouldn't be looking to exit you should just be looking to accumulate if you've got this 20 30 year time horizon you don't want to touch that pot just keep adding to it regardless of what the price is if you believe it's going to trend up over time. That's an investor, right? Like Warren yep. Buffett says, um, if you if you wouldn't hold it for 10 years, you shouldn't hold it for 10 minutes or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, he says that, yeah. So having those long time horizons, that's an investor. A trader is where you're getting in and out of positions. So that's yep. what I'm talking about. You know, if you hadn't traded any upside on the S&P because you've been anticipating a crash since 2016, you obviously missed out on like, you know, huge, huge gains.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah um, 100%, 100%. Yeah more into metals now obviously 2021 with inflation being the main story and metals not trending up yeah and that was quite a surprise to everyone what's your what's your thought process
1: yeah i think you know if someone said to you year on-year cpi was going to be seven percent yeah in 2021 and gold would still be at what was it 1800 roughly yeah you'd like laugh in their face yeah so, you would, yeah sure a lot of people got the the inflation bet right it's just you know gold and silver didn't necessarily act as those inflation hedges that everyone thought they would yeah um and I feel like crypto sucked a lot of that liquidity out of the metals you know mm-hmm. so liquidity that would normally flow into gold and silver like it did in you know 2011 maybe 2010, yeah. uh, 2010 2011 a lot of that liquidity probably flowed to crypto uh, which yeah. is why they probably had muted growth but I do think there's still a position for gold and silver the charts are looking pretty interesting um, yeah. There's some levels that if we break, I probably won't be as interested. But I do think gold and silver could be setting up for a nice run. um yeah. They were before, not that
0: 20 that? March after the March 2020 crash, they gold and silver looked to be performing pretty well, hitting all-time highs. Yeah,
1: wait, in all-time yeah, highs. yeah. Well, I mean, what's really funny is like crypto and the metals were both performing pretty well, and mm-hmm. then like from summer, crypto was pretty muted throughout summer, but it was, the metals yeah. were to play like. I was yeah. long gold and silver pretty much every every other week um, yeah. during like summer 2020, right? Yeah. And then as soon as gold and silver topped, which was, I think, like late August, maybe. And yeah. that was, yeah, then crypto started to kind of move a bit. There started to be more volatility. Yeah, right right. I think we had a September sell-off. Then October was when the main run kind of started. So well, now, yeah. I don't know if crypto is a bit more muted. Maybe we'll start seeing some liquidity flow back to the metals. Yeah. But I still right. think they play their part. For sure, but yeah. People, I mean, I still own gold and silver and have exposure through, you know, ETFs and miners and things like that. So I would still encourage it. I still think it's a good trade. Like I say, GDXJ looks really interesting as as well in a minute. So it would just be interesting. If you can figure out what the dollar is going to do, which is what I'm trying to figure out, you can kind of time it a bit better. Yeah. I think this year we will see higher gold and silver prices, higher GDXJ prices, higher miners in general. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I think there is the whole space is under value They're present based Definitely. on the Yeah there's 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 definite value there you know mm-hmm. definite value and there, there's a few sayings in in trading in general one that I always used is one I always use is suppressed volatility leads to hyper volatility yeah if you look at a chart of silver or gold they've just kind of like been moving sideways in a range not really doing too much the volatility yep. has been really suppressed so when you do eventually get that breakout it can be pretty explosive. Um, yeah. there's another one which is the longer the base, the higher the chase. Yeah, so where they're building these like long bases when they do eventually break out, you know, only leads to two further upside. So, yeah, I'm pretty good. I've got my eye on them. Um, I think they, I think there'll be some good trading opportunities in, in the coming months. Yeah, uh, if gold can get above like 1850, I think, well, I think it's 1850, uh, then we'll probably get a run to like 1955 yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, some, they're the kind of levels that I'm watching. And then after that, really like, some kind of pullback and then.
0: Hopefully, also again. Yeah. Yeah. That'd
1: be yeah. good. That'd be
0: nice. But though, where, where do you see the market at the moment? Obviously, it's gone down and rates haven't even been hyped as of yet. Do you think it's the buy the new sell the room or kind of thing?
1: Uh, rates haven't been hiked, but there's been so much talk of it that markets have started to press it in anyway. Yeah. So, Regardless of whether rates have been hiked yet or not, <clears throat> the, the market's already pricing in. So it's it's kind of as if rates have been hiked, especially now that Jerome power has kind of confirmed rates are going to get hiked in March. Yeah, the market is pricing that in. You know. Yeah. So if they weren't too hiked in March, then yeah, you could see like a reverse. Really nice with... yeah. yeah, in terms of uh, crypto, how I kind of see things at the minute, I've been bearish crypto, um, pretty much since mid november mid to late november yeah i started to get pretty bearish when we broke structure and again that kind of goes back to what i was talking about earlier you know being a yeah, hammer man. bear doesn't Mid-wise. pay yeah wait wait for the chart we, we all thought it was going to
0: the moon when it went over 69k yeah
1: yeah well, this is it second leg literally when when bitcoin broke its previous all-time high from april mm-hmm. literally as it happened i was in italy and i was like yeah right, this is it like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's a moon. but um obviously the charts started to show warning signs, right? Like the marginally higher highs is always Mm -hmm. one thing rather than previously, you know, when Bitcoin broke the 20K level within a few weeks, it was at 30K, like it was just up only. Whereas this time we started to see kind of marginal higher highs. Um, Then when we broke the low in kind of like mid-November, the fractals started to look very similar to that kind of April, May sort of time. And that's when I started talking about the warning signs, you know, saying it's a good time to de-risk on bounces, things like that, you know, go a bit more defensive. Um and then more recently I did think we'd get a bounce off that kind of like 41k level. We got small bounce, but not what I was expecting. Small bounce Um, will go lower. Yeah. So I mean now the dynamic is pretty interesting because we're down 50, what, 52%, 53% from all-time highs, something like that. Pardon me. And open interest is still pretty much near all-time highs on Binance. Yeah. So this huge move down, normally we'd see like a lot of long liquidations, but we haven't really seen that on these aggressive moves which leads me to believe that there's a lot of people that are still short in this market so if the market does start moving up then i think that could lead to a bit of a short squeeze um nothing crazy like i don't think we're going to go to 100k but i think we could go to like early 40s maybe mid 40s yeah um, and then around those kind of levels i'll probably look to start to build a short position yeah in in I generalization i
0: think i know it's pretty hard to call would you say we are still in a bull run or would you say it's broken structure and it's no longer
1: a ball blow-off top run? Uh, um, I think it, it depends on what you call a, a bull run and a, a, a bear market. I mean, at the minute, we're, we're in a bear market. Like we've broken structure on pretty much every time
0: frame. 52% as well. Yeah,
1: most time frames are, are bearish. Mm. Um, so it depends what your criteria is for a bear market. The mm. normal criteria is like a you know 20% drop over X amount of time. Yeah. And if that was the case, you know, Bitcoin would just have loads of bear markets. So I don't subscribe yeah, yeah, yeah. to that theory yeah. in crypto. But... At the minute the things I look for to determine whether we're in a bull market I'm not seeing those things right now so yeah. at the minute we're in a bear market until things change right so things change. price will always lead my decision making so when I yeah. start seeing signs that we're in a, a bull market then obviously I'll flip my bias right but yeah. the way I trade I'm not trying to catch the exact bottom or the exact top of a move yeah. I just yeah. want to catch the meat in the middle so I kind of use this like burger analogy that you've got like the bun which is the exact bottom yeah. you know, the burger in the middle and then you've got the bun at the top right so yeah. many traders try and catch the buns. All I'm interested in is that meat in the middle. Meat in the middle. So, um, for me, I'll kind of wait for confirmation that, you know, we're, we're back in the bull market. I'll, like, play the range and, like, I'll trade it here and there. But as it yeah. stands, the structure's bearish. Mm. Um, so I'm mainly focused on, you know, when we come into levels, I'll look mm. at getting next short. And then if we start breaking levels, making higher highs and higher lows, I'll flip and, you know, I'll, I'll trade yeah. it up. But how I see it playing out is probably like a move into early to mid 40s then maybe a drop back to the kind of range lows where we are, those kind of like... Low. So, yeah, 30, well, yeah,
0: 30 to yeah. 40. Yeah. Lows. Yeah. Do yeah, you see a potential
1: a scenario for sub 20? Uh, it's possible. And there is a pattern that could play out that would take us there.
0: Yeah. Is that a head and shoulders?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah there's a head and shoulders in play. Um, yeah. Whether it meets target or not, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, personally, I don't think it does, but... Obviously, I could be wrong. And yeah, um, I'm still defensive at the minute. And if we get there, I'll kind of be defensive on the way down as it's making new lows. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely a market that will favor traders. And this is another thing, right? If you just got into crypto in 2021, that's mm-hmm. not what crypto is normally like. Like it was like printing money, do you know. What I mean, everyone was a genius, and all you had to do was buy anything and yeah. it would just go up, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. if you want to make money through, you know, this year, maybe a year of more muted growth definitely for maybe q1 and q2 you're going to need to learn how to trade it's a trader's market you know you yeah. can't just buy hold not have any invalidation levels you need to unless that's your game plan right if you're an investor yeah long term hold, yeah yeah, yeah if you're term, looking to
0: make money this year or make improve your
1: income in the crypto market you just, yeah.
0: just learning how to trade Le- learn to trade
1: you right? can catch the trends and the moves yeah because then you can yeah. make money on on the way up or down so exactly yeah that's kind of how, how i see it playing out i do still think like the macro wise we're in a bull run like i don't think 69k was the top
0: yeah
1: of you know if you want to call them cycles anymore personally i'm not really it's maturing as an asset class now yeah i think we'll get more kind of like growth like in the stock market right where you kind of have you know generally it just trends up over time but there's not like four-year cycles which yeah previously had we the, have yeah um, it's completely
0: changed now institutions have got involved it's um
1: yeah, it's probably just
0: going to be like an Amazon following Metcalf's law as the network grows, the users yeah. grow, the
1: value grows. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of how I see it playing out, like that kind of you know, it's a bit of a meme, but like a super cycle. Um, yeah. So see the super cycle kind of it, play out. And that doesn't mean that it's just up only forever. It just means no, that, no, no. Yeah. You know, we don't have year year-long bear markets, which I don't think we do. Obviously, if the Fed do stay hawkish and you know they do raise rates every single hearing this year, yeah. They, you know. They don't eventually take a dovish tone, which I think they will, then yeah, yeah, that'll be you know probably quite bad for crypto. And we for could sure it'll probably wipe out better. quite a few
0: of the projects. You would probably see it dot com's bust style, where
1: a few yeah. of the projects are wiped out essentially. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we saw in 2017 as well, right? Like 2017, some of the projects it was like putting bananas on the blockchain, and <laughs> it was just like the most pointless thing yeah. ever. Yeah, and yeah, through 2018, like most of those projects died, like they were down. 99.99% wow. like a joke literally wow. um, so it did wipe out a lot of, a lot of crap in the market and then 2019 2020 you started to see like uh, you know defi protocols actually getting used so things like Aave, um, even synthetics to a certain extent not so much anymore but you started to see like real use cases in yeah. defi right um so then you had defi summer in 2020 then this year obviously you've got things like nfts and
0: yeah, got that own. kind of
1: stuff like more, it's becoming more mainstream, and you know, some of the smartest minds in the world are starting to leave, like traditional their uh, traditional backgrounds, so it's it's finance space. or I don't know engineers or whatever it is, uh, software developers that kind of thing, and they all come into this kind of like web free crypto space, yeah you know, and um, whereas yeah. decentralized, you can obviously earn like a lot more money and things like that. So yeah. yeah, I think yeah, we probably will get maybe some kind of bear market and a lot of like the BSC shit coins yeah. I don't know the safe moons and Shiba moon or whatever. Yeah. That will get wiped out and you yeah. get a return kind to value. Healthier yeah. for the market. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like that speculative nature, although
0: well, at the fine. time it
1: feels like it's gonna go on forever. It yeah. never does go on forever, nah, right? It nah. never will. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So wiping, wiping that stuff out, it, it will be healthy for the market. Um, and yeah. so quite a bit of it got wiped out during that kind of like summer low period. Like mm. a lot of the BSC shitcoin projects like Safe Moon never returned to those all-time highs. Yeah. Like Doge and Shiba. Doge hasn't really performed
0: other than when Elon Musk makes
1: a tweet, It got yeah. 20% of the day. Then you won't yeah. hear about it for the next few months at the moment. Yeah, but they never return to their kind of like all-time highs, right? No. Whereas yeah. what did on this recent run through like October, November sort of period, were the layer ones, things like yeah. Lunar, Solana, Avalanche, all that kind of yeah. stuff like more kind of like valuable projects rather than super speculative things.
0: With the layer ones. Do you think the main hype around them is due to Ethereum scalability issues? Obviously, ETH 2.0 was meant to happen a while ago. It's been delayed. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think the reason for something like Solana, for example, going from, I think, $2 all the way up to $290, whatever it was, do you think that's all due to Ethereum? Or do you think there's a significant place for all of these competitors to have a slice of the pie? Uh,
1: I don't think it's all due to Ethereum Scal- mm. scalability problems. I, I definitely think that plays a part. If yeah. Ethereum was the finished product, Yeah, it's got the network effects already. It wouldn't really be a need for... Like, you'll just have a monopoly. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yes, it's it's definitely played a part. But I also don't think that there's just going to be, like, one layer one, right? I think it's going to be, like... You're going to have Ethereum for certain things. You're going to have Solana for certain things. Avalanche for certain things. You know, a bit like how you've got Apple, Samsung, Google. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Companies, Microsoft. There's not just one. It's not like Apple just dominates everything, you know? There's... the the pie is kind of like split between them um but yeah i definitely think it has played a part ethereum needs to sort out its scaling problems otherwise once it does it'll be huge if they do yeah ethereum is already pretty big but it's just not usable for for normal people i mean even for me like when i see how much i spent on gas fees using ethereum layer one Mm. it's insane like you don't realize like you think oh i don't know 100 here 150 here it just adds oh, really? up like the more you're transacting there it, for most people it's not profitable to use no not at, at all smart. not at
0: all for the average person it's not I mean I've tried in the past doing smaller transactions and um, my gas fees have been higher than my actual
1: transaction itself when yeah. I started yeah. out for sure it's just not worth it so I feel like that's definitely played a part on getting like retail to, especially yeah. Binance Smart Chain like that was a huge thing on like TikTok and places like that where yeah. the fees were just cheaper you know no one could afford to transact on, on layer one, whereas you go to Binance Smart Chain, it was like, during the hype, it was like 50 cents for, for each transaction or maybe, maybe like $1 wow. for each transaction. Yeah, um, yeah. Then you've got like Solana, which was basically free and instant. Mm. So people went to Solana. Rapid. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the dynamics on Solana were a bit different in the ecosystem because most <laughs> of the projects were VC backed. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't like that many fair launches and stuff like that, but that's why Avalanche did pretty well because it was more like fair launches and. Yeah, like that. also the tech behind Avalanche is pretty good, uh, but then even Avalanche had its problems. Like it's still so early. They all have their problems. Crypto yeah, yeah. infrastructure. It's not early in terms of how many people know about it. Obviously, everybody knows about it. Yeah, um, but yeah. it's a bit like the dot com bubble, right? It was early for the internet, but everybody mm. kind of hyped it up and you know blew up what the internet was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you yeah, had yeah. a return to value, and over time it trended up. So yeah, I feel like that's what we could have now. You know, if you
0: look at internet in late nineties, early two thousands, it's a completely different world to what it is now.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we'll see here
0: in the next 10 to 20 years for sure. Yeah.
1: And even, even when I look at crypto now compared to 2017, like 2017, 2018, it's completely different. Like that was only four years ago. And yeah. it's changed so much, like the infrastructure. Would you say the main differences are, from your experience? Would I say what? The main differences are from now and four years ago, from your experience. There's just, there's just more real world stuff being built. Yeah, Whereas 2017, trends. 2018, it just wasn't like that. It was yeah, like I say, bananas on the blockchain. ETH, like yeah. the whole ETH network crashed because of um crypto kitties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just wasn't nothing was scalable, nothing was usable. Nobody actually knew like what the use cases were gonna be, what the narratives that were gonna like drive value to these like crypto ecosystems were. Yeah. It was just kind of like super speculative, and even this time around, it's been super speculative. Yeah, but there's so. been I don't know, more kind of like solid narratives around it, like Bitcoin having the digital gold narrative or Ethereum, like, uh, I don't know, the value narrative around like NFTs and DeFi and things like that. Whereas in 2017, it was just like ICOs and like everybody Mm -hmm. was just creating ICOs, a bit like how everyone's creating NFT projects now and just, you know. NFTs are at that stage.
0: NFTs are at the stage of crypto was in general four years ago. Would you say
1: Uh, early adoption uh, stages? They've become I more mainstream. I think NFTs are just like the ICOs of 2017. Like anyone who was in crypto in 2017, you bought an ICO and it just like 100x within a few weeks. Wow. Um, where NFTs are kind of like that like you buy any mint and most of them tend to go up, hmm. but there's like 90% of them are just rug pulls. You know? What do you
0: think defines the difference? Well, early stages defines the difference
1: between a rug pull and a legit, legitimate project. What do you look for? Um, I mean, like I'm not an expert in yeah. these by any means. You know, yeah, no. Like super speculative yeah. projects. Like, as you know, I'm more of like a trade out trade, like the big yeah, liquid, yeah. liquid stuff. Um but, and there's no way to know because some of these rug pools are very sophisticated now, yeah. Where they make you think that uh, yeah, it's not, but I don't know, like doing research on the team, like you know, going in Discord, like seeing a community that they've built up, um, looking at like their roadmap and things like that, but it's so hard. Like some projects well, look great but yeah. then two weeks after launching they just completely abandon the project
0: i think i think it's gary v that says expect 98 percent of nfts to completely be gone in the next yeah, five years
1: yeah or yeah. so like th- there's no way to know for sure but just like do your research on see if the team is kyc would if they're kyc then um or if they're doxed <coughs> if the team are doxed um yeah then yeah then you can i don't know say with some certainty that they're not going to ripple some still will yeah. Um, but it's better than the team not being doxxed. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, then the other thing, like say, community, like what the kind of marketing they've got, roadmaps, things like that. But 99.9% of these NFT projects are going to zero. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Um, oh, within the next year or so. The thing with yeah. NFTs as well, when there's a liquidity crunch in NFTs, the prices can drop so quick. Like, mm. say there's two people, just two people that want to sell and they keep undercutting each other on the floor price and no one wants to buy it because no one wants to buy that collection. The price wow. of that collection can just drop, yeah. The whole so collection 80%, 90% in, in a day or two. So, True. when there is a liquidity crunch and eventually NFTs do crash, most of them will go to zero. Um, I think stuff like the board eight yacht club and uh, crypto punks and the blue chips will stay around and mm-hmm. you know continue to thrive a bit like 2017, right? If yeah. you ever had a, a drawdown but eventually it you know came back, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the ashes and um, Bitcoin obviously things like that so you'll probably see drawdown in a lot of nft yeah. projects but um you'll see new ones pop up throughout the bear market that will yeah. have value yeah because on, on, on the page
0: i've always get people messaging me saying oh what is this nft project legit is this and i will just i always tell them just you're better off if you want to get some exposure buying ethereum holding over the next four years as an investor i just think it's a, it's a much safer bet than buying the individual nfts at
1: for the time yeah, yeah. So, sometimes the safer bet isn't the best bet. i think it depends on what you want right yeah. so with the money allocated allocate to nfts it should be in your speculative pot it shouldn't be in like yeah. your legacy portfolio you're buying nah, yeah, yeah penguin yeah. nft you know um but, but you can you afford to wanna, lose yeah just what you can afford to lose like if you do want to yeah. gamble and play around just know that it is that right it's gambling and there's nothing wrong with that just acknowledge yeah. it rather than i'm investing and i've got a 10-year time horizon on this project that is most likely going to get rug pulled in two weeks, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And over investing, like investing more than you can afford to lose in something like NFTs. Obviously you'll hear some stories about people who make it big and they turn nothing into something, but then you don't hear loads of stories about people who just lost everything. Yeah. It's, on it's a lot more
0: rare. Someone turning nothing into something than it is someone completely losing out.
1: Yeah. 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 Literally. So yeah. that's my kind I of course cool. like I said, definitely not, <coughs> not NFTs. I don't claim yeah, to not No, not at all. I've had a play around. Um, obviously, I have mm. bought a couple of mutant apes. Yeah, um, sold them too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm definitely not an expert. I'm I'm a trader, and yeah, know, for sure. Don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, this is my opinion. You know. Yeah, sure.
0: yeah fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All entitled to one. But um, do you think regulations? Obviously, regulations come to crypto. Apparently, how do you think that will play out, and how do
1: you think it'll affect the space? Uh, I think it'll be good overall. Like if if it is regulated or when it is regulated, it kind of opens up a new wall of money that can come into the space. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good, but I think it could also stop innovation to a certain point. Like certain things within DeFi, you know, sometimes regulations can kind of kill that innovation. Um, But stable coins, for example. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously talk about you know them regulating stable coins and. If they did, if they did come down hard on stablecoins and come yeah. down really hard on regulations, we could see a, a year-long bear market, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just don't think they do. Like, because you've got public companies holding Bitcoin and, you know, stablecoins are start, starting to slowly make their way into the TradFi system as well, but yeah. they can, like, cross it over. Um, I don't think they'll come too hard on regulating things like that. Yeah, I, I think the reputable be. ones like USDC. Um, where they've been audited. You know, Tevo is obviously very questionable. Yeah. Probably will blow up one day. Been, has been for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> that's another thing. Like going back to what we were talking about earlier about anticipating crashes. Yeah. I've been hearing that Tevo is going to crash crypto since 2017. Yeah. Can you imagine if I've refused to participate in crypto markets because I was tied to this narrative, yeah. married to this narrative or this kind of bias that Tevo was going to crash crypto. Yeah. But I missed that on the whole run. Mm-hmm. That's why you want to wait for, warning signs and you know wait for the charts to lead you but yeah teva probably will blow up eventually like it is a ticking time bomb but yeah let the charts tell you when to get in and when to get out yeah don't just not participate in the greatest bull run of all time because absolutely yeah yeah for sure but yeah regulations uh, i think overall they will be healthy because new money will be able to come in there's a lot of money on the sidelines at the minute when we can get like a spot back to etf um and things like that Bitcoin ETF, I think that will be good. If we get an ETH ETF, that'd be brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I
0: think that'd be the next
1: thing. Yeah. There, there's a few <clears throat> things that could be a narrative. Like one of them is an ETH ETF. spotlight yeah. ETF would be pretty good. Um, this El Salvador bond that people are starting to talk about. if that's Yeah, Volcano bonds. Yeah. yeah. If that's oversubscribed, that could be good because then other countries will probably follow suit. So a lot yeah. of people are starting to talk about how that could be the next narrative, which it yeah. could well be. Um so yeah, I think regulation overall is a good thing, but I think so. it will be ch- turbulent in the short term. But for the long term, as an investor or someone who, who wants to make money in the space, yeah, it will, it will be good. I think.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think it'll be the biggest opportunity of our lifetime so far. Anyway, we. I'm obviously. I'm. I'm too young to have been investing in the dot com bust. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have that capital at three years old. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's gonna be a huge opportunity. But you can't expect something that's gone from zero to nearly $3 trillion in market cap over the last 10 years to not have any form of regulation. You can't.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, now it's starting to get big enough. Like in 2018, it was still like really tiny. But now, yeah. like I say, everyone is in crypto. You've got public companies holding crypto. Yeah. Um, ETFs. So it, it's huge now. So now it's on the regulator's radar. Yeah. Um, but I do think we've got a long way to go. Like I think over the next 10, 20 years, as a young person, you know, this is the best place to invest and to kind of like immerse yourself the best space to immerse yourself in and mm. become familiar with and you know become an expert in one part of the industry so going back That's to what i said about building high value skills that you could learn to code or you know learn to um, develop on, become a developer on certain projects wherever it is you know just immerse yourself in like web 3 and this whole narrative will probably pay quite well over the next decade or so
0: web 3 sounds crazy
1: it does i don't think anyone understands it yet like the metaverse nah nobody actually knows what it's going to be like or how it's going to look no one knows but i I just
0: think it's going to be right now beyond our comprehension once it's fully matured i think it'll be like describing the internet now to just people 20 years ago you just can't
1: yeah and it'll probably move a lot quicker than we think right like the way tech moves like if you think five years ago compared to now like it's a lot has changed Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I just don't think anyone understands it yet, but it will be a huge opportunity. Uh, sure. But like a lot of these metaverse projects, I'm, I'm looking to get short soon, like Mana and not so much Sandbox, but y- y- yeah, all, all those kind of like metaverse projects that saw those like huge blow offs, um, they're not actually being used. Like there's no Metcalf's law driving any of it, and yeah. the charts are starting to look horrible. Yeah. So, like apparently, if you go on like Mana, Decentraland, if you go online, there's like 500 people online. Wow. And it's got multi-billion dollar market cap. So wow, that's over crazy. The, over the coming um, months, I think we'd probably see lower prices. Um, I, I always use Bitcoin it? as the index. I want, Bitcoin to, I want Bitcoin to you know be trending down, and that's my kind of green light to short these projects. If I'm bullish yeah. on Bitcoin, I wouldn't probably look to short, or yeah, I'll do yeah. something like a pair trade, because I think they'll bleed against Bitcoin. You can like do a, a long BTC short mana type trade, you know. Yeah. Um, that's quite clever.
0: Yeah, all these metaverse projects are all running off of obviously Zuckerberg hype. As soon as he made that announcement, they all rallied insane in October, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. All, it's all off of
1: that. No Very one funny. knew, yeah.
0: not many people knew what those projects were, especially new investors. No one had a clue. And it yeah. was just off a bandwagon. And
1: some some people were talking about it, to be fair. Fair play to them who caught that narrative. The ones I mean, who caught that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a subscriber to it. When Facebook rebranded to Meta, I was like, okay, maybe this is happening sooner than i think mm-hmm. um, and yeah there were there were some really good opportunities but yeah. i do think it's pretty overvalued the charts are starting to look horrible mm-hmm. um so yeah, there could be some nice short opportunities yeah but like i said you want to reduce volatility you can go for a pair type trade where you're like long btc short mana. um rather than just short in where obviously you we'll have a higher volatility so yeah. different ways to go about it just make sure that if you are going to start trading and you know shorting the market that you have the right knowledge and you understand you're a trader, not an investor. So you have yeah. validation levels and, yeah, yeah. you know, you manage the risk and things like that. Position size correctly. A lot of things don't just dive straight in and, I don't know, 50X leverage and you get liquidated straight away, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm pretty sure in, well, your trading course, you'd probably go through that, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like everything's covered in the program, you know, risk yeah. management. There's even psychology modules, futures trading modules, um you know full training how to break down the chart and create your bias and yeah you know, the exact approach that we want to have so it's it's all taught and probably about 80 percent of the people who start the program start with no experience yeah so you don't need any prior experience you don't need a degree in economics like i left school at 16 do you know what i mean I, I didn't i don't have a degree or anything like that you, yeah you just need to learn the system Um yeah. once you learn the system you let that guide you and it, in fact what i often find is for beginners sometimes they actually end up performing better because they haven't built up any bad habits.
0: Yeah. Whereas
1: definitely. someone who has two years experience, they've really got their kind of own way of doing things. And it might be a really bad way. They've really built up a lot of bad habits Whereas yeah. someone who's got zero experience, they come in and they only learn my way of doing things the right way or what I believe is the right way. Yeah. 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 Um, they haven't got those bad habits. So yeah, that's what I think. But yeah, to answer your question, everything's explained. Everything's explained. Yeah. Everything's taught how to manage risk and things like that. Yeah. Cool.
0: And how will people access that then for your, for your Instagram?
1: Yeah. So they can message me on, on Instagram. Um, my Instagram at is uh, GIO, so GIO Paris, like the capital 23. Um, or you can message Vivid Capital Insta, which is just Vivid Capital. Yeah. Or you can go to our website, which is uh, vividcapital.co.uk and you can find everything there. Um, yeah, that's yeah. at
0: GIO Paris 23, guys. There's He's got plenty of fake accounts that try and impersonate him every week. So um... <laughs> yeah make sure you don't one.
1: uh don't fall for any of those that that is my only account is yeah Geo Paris 23 and vivid capital and i'll never message you saying i'm going to trade money for you or
0: yeah I, like I had that. two messages me. i've had two messages me this week
1: really yeah there's loads mess- popping up did you see the one i posted yeah yesterday? like Korean really, or something yeah. like that Korea, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 pretty funny but um but yeah pe- people are falling for it unfortunately so yes, i try and post as much as i can but yeah, yeah, you're uh, pretty
0: good at it. You're pretty on top of it, so.
1: Yeah, just apply common sense. You know, if the photos were uploaded four days ago, there's no engagement and, yes, yeah. most likely a fake account. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, so to summarise, obviously, like, thanks thanks for coming on the podcast. So right, so I wouldn't have rather anyone else come on first, but um, <laughs> to summarise then what we've been through, what would you, just to break it down, how do you break it down for the people that listened? How they can uh, talk about things. Obviously, learn skill.
1: Yeah, learn a high value skill, like for anyone – if you've got less than six figures to your name that should be your focus is to learn a high value skill nothing else matters you know investing 500 quid in the S&P and things like that is it's great and, but if you want to you know achieve something great financially in a shorter period of time like your early 20s mid 20s late 20s whatever it is you need to learn a high value skill and then you know learn how to monetize it whether whatever it is right if it's Facebook ads, you run a social media marketing agency, whatever. Or I don't know if you learn some creative property strategy, you learn how to raise finance. If it's trading, you learn how to get funded and you use FTMO's money. You know, yeah. But finding those paths to kind of like speed it up. Once you've got the skill set, it's there for you. The, the main thing is just learning that skill. Once you've got the skill, you can go out and do more things than you thought you could. You know, wow. yeah. so that's the first thing. Learn a high value skill in terms of markets um at the moment there's obviously pretty heavy risk off but i think the worst of it has probably been priced in yeah um, so i don't think there's too much more downside to come but i do think maybe we just range a bit and make some fresh new lows but nothing too crazy yeah just a bit um, of boring. boring yeah a few months or so potentially more. but that's subject to change like disclaimer like my opinions can change next week you know it can start <laughs> yeah. change don't be married to my bias because I'm a trader and I can change yeah, yeah. quite quickly so what I'm saying is not set in stone it's just on balance of probabilities what I'm currently seeing is this but yeah. to you know predict how it's things play out so. over a year yeah. plus period it can be tough even a month for month period so yeah. that's why I think learning how to trade is such a valuable skill because then you can trade it and you kind of have that mindset probability based mindset yeah, uh,
0: probably the yeah best mind- of, what's that probably the best mindset of all
1: yeah, just definitely. not married
0: to your bias, being able to change it, being open minded.
1: Yeah, going on the markets, and just being process driven, like what we said before. You know, not being married to the result. You know, if you focus on the process, the result will take care of itself. The result is a, a byproduct of the process being executed well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of markets, like I say, the, the worst of the you know risk off is probably behind us. Most of it's probably priced in, yeah. unless there's some new black swan event. Um, but at the moment, I think it's mostly priced in. Maybe some more downside to come, but not too much. Too and then later this year, Q2, Q3, we probably see a decent rally in risk, yeah. depending how it goes. Um, and yeah, and then, like I said, I don't think Bitcoin has topped yet. I think that we will see higher prices, but maybe lower first and then lower and then higher.
0: higher. Than, yeah, yeah. This is a completely, obviously, question that no one can call, but what would be your. Not price prediction by a certain time, but top of cycle, where do you think would be a validated top based on the charts? Obviously, you've got the glass node charts, which haven't topped out in certain areas. What would you mm. say from your, what's your
1: thesis? Uh, I don't know. But oh, yeah. I article. had, yeah, but I've, my base case has always been somewhere between 100 and 200. Yeah. Um, and I do still think we get to those prices. Mm. I just think obviously macro plays a big part in it. And you know, there'll be a lot of the,
0: noise in between.
1: Yeah, how the macro story develops. Like if the Bitcoin El Salvador bond is not oversubscribed, I think that could be a pretty huge dent because that being oversubscribed will be the catalyst for other countries to get involved. And that could be the domino that is the new narrative that takes us up. Whereas as it stands, I don't know what else could be the big narrative. I agree. Yeah, get us there. Um,
0: So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'll probably stick to like 100k, and if we overshoot, great. Maybe like 120 something like that. Um,
0: Always better to undershoot than
1: overshoot. Yeah, definitely. By I don't know. Let's go for like Q1 2023, so like a year from now. Yeah, Um, but that could change, and like we could go into a bear market, and um, and we could see you know 14k. We could see the head and shoulders play out this time next year. We could be at 14k, right? But that's why learning how to trade is is important in my eyes because I, I might say like 120k but if I don't see those if I don't see those signs on the chart I could be able to anticipate I, I, it I could be positioned next short all year and someone can come and say oh but you said it was going to go to 120k by this time next year but it's not about what you say or what you predict it's about what you trade it's about what you make money off right how you uh-huh. positioned so if yeah. you call a crash but you didn't make any money from it and you just held it doesn't mean anything you didn't trade yeah. it yeah yeah it's about De risking at the point where you is it about basically about acting on your analysis. Yeah. But um yeah, price prediction, I don't know, 120 in a year's time. We'll see how that works. Yeah. Goes.
0: Yeah. And that can obviously
1: change due to factors and trade. Yeah. The charts, yeah. Your bias can change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah Completely down, understand. Yeah. yeah, you made it clear. Cool. <laughs> All right, well, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on the podcast, mate. And um uh-huh. hopefully have you on soon. And I'll see you soon.
1: Yeah, definitely. We'll do a part two soon. That'd be good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll come into it soon. Cool. Take care. In a bit. Take care. Bye. Bye.